Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Thanks for joining me. I'm delighted you're here. My guest on this episode is the one and only Courtney Act. Now, I came to know of Courtney via season six of RuPaul's Drag Race and was blown away, not only at what an incredible performer she is, because by Jiminy she is, but also by her quiet confidence and how steady and self-assured she was in the face of being critiqued. I always think it's quite, um, it's very admirable when you see someone who's being critiqued and they don't get rattled and you think, where does that come from? Absorbing the stuff that you can use to help you and pushing the stuff that will just make you feel bad away. Interesting. I thought Courtney seemed to have that down pat. Courtney, real name Shane Jenick, was born in Brisbane and now splits her time between LA and London. But London is where she's based right now and it's where we recorded this episode of the show. Life has been good for Courtney since reaching the top three of season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. Having capitalised on the opportunity with tours, music and a stint in Celebrity Big Brother here in the UK, she walked away with a crown. Did I mention that? And she did, and she well deserved, I have to say. Since then, she has become a well-known name and face on the UK celebrity scene, is currently rehearsing for a televised Christmas special, is hosting her own TV show, The Bi-Life, which is the UK's first bisexual reality TV dating show on the E! channel, and is fresh from her tour with her season six contestants, Adore Delano, Bianca Del Rio and Darian Lake. Together they are ABCD. I met Courtney back in the summer at Drag World UK via her collaboration with makeup brand Ciarte and the Stamp and Drag liner, which really does make getting a feline flick super easy. You just stamp with one end and then you drag with the other. Um, take a look at my Instagram. There's a, I've used it a few times and uh, shown the effects and it really is pretty good and it's jet black liner, so it's the real deal. In this episode, we discuss the highs and lows of her career, life, spirituality and atheism, what it's like trying to have a sensible discussion about LGBTQI rights with someone who is fundamentally opposed to them. Courtney's advice can be applied to any situation, I think, and I uh, came away feeling really quite affected by what she had said. And it was a perspective I very much enjoyed having been able to have access to, and I hope that's how you feel about it too. Plus, we debate the meaning of drag and much more. There's a lot in here. There's quite a bit of silliness too, but hey, we're nearing Christmas. Have some festive fun with us, why not? All the links to Courtney, her social media, her tour, her TV work, etc. will be in the show notes, as will the books, programmes and the other bits and bobs that we discuss in this episode. So without any further ado, here's Courtney Act on The Emma Gunn Show. This is terribly exciting. I am, this is me collecting the ABCD of season oh, yeah, six, like Pokemon. Like Pokemon, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got the B, now I've got the C. Welcome, Courtney, act to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so You might exciting. get the A and the D. Like, we're all going to be here soon. I know. You might get the... Usually people try and get the D in the A, but 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a tight fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, well, anyway. We're getting into the it's anatomy of Derry and Lake yeah. now, which feels yeah. inappropriate. But I know exactly what you mean. I know where you were going with that. Um, we are chatting about so much today, but <laughs> I don't literally... I'm still thinking much. about Darian inside a door. And then I feel like like several doors would fit inside Darian. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Continue. Back to the plot. No. I've already railroaded your podcast and we're only... <laughs> Oh, I can't count upside down. It's One minute in. A minute. Um, no, I've now got a mental image, which I'm slowly <laughs> trying to just erase. It's like, um, it's like Adina saying, there's a skinny person inside me just dying to get out. Just the one, dear. <clears throat> June Whitfield is legend. Um, yeah, so now I, you know when um, your mother sucks, God sucks in hell. Yeah. Now we need Darian to do, there's eight doors in me or something. We need that to have, that can be part of the show. You sounded more like Bianca then. I feel like my, that's my default Bianca voice. What, what do you mean? You're an asshole. Baloney. Baloney. I have a lot of, I know. How does that's she do it without delic. choking her guts up? Have you heard her voice? It's not exactly Ariana Grande, is it? <laughs> That's true. And you are, you are the singer because all morning, knowing that I was coming to your whistle, what are they whistle tone? <laughs> all morning I've been, in my head it's been going round, my name is Courtney X. Because <laughs> that opening number for the finale of season six was actually brilliant. Oh, that was fun. It did look like fun. My and then obviously, name is Courtney X and I'm Aussie royalty. I can I hit, hit the, the highest notes. notes and I'm in the top. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that happened in my shower this morning as well. <laughs> um, so, yes, let's talk about this. Right. There are so many things, but we are you are working with Ciate. I am. And that's how I met you previously in a moment of actual celebrity meltdown. <laughs> I had a proper Bieber moment, <laughs> genuinely. And I've been interviewing celebrities for 20 years and it's the first time I properly bottled it. <laughs> So there you go. I appreciate Take that. That is a badge of honor. Not to liken will. myself to Oprah, but I had a similar experience when I met Oprah. What the f? All you I, met Oprah. I did, and all I've just all I could do was say thank you for everything and smile awkwardly. But that was literally all I all I got out. What was the context of meeting Oprah? Um, it was at a meet and greet. She wasn't at my meet and greet, just for the record. Uh, and she just Oprah lining for, up. For <laughs> but her line was too long, so I'll settle with you, Courtney. Um, it was, no, you has waited in a meet and greet line. Jade from Little Mix at Drag World, a drag con in LA. I was like, Is that, can someone please go and get Jade and tell her she doesn't need to wait in the line? Bless her. But I digress. Back to yes, Oprah. back to Oprah. Um, I went to an Oprah event in LA where it was like all the celebrities were talking, like um, Dr. Phil and Iyanla, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I met all of them. Um, my friend is friends with Susie Orman and her wife, KT, and they invited me. And so... Susie and her wife were introducing me to all the celebrities, which was just like peculiar. Anyway, when you're standing there like with Dr. Phil and Iyanla and Susie and they're all sort of like looking at you, asking you questions. And I was a boy at the time. And then KT was trying to explain that like I did drag and this was like after drag race, but, but I think before it like 
hugely mm. proliferated. Mm. And um, and they were like, oh, you do a drag. And Dr. Phil's like, sing something now. And I'm like, because uh, uh, I'm a woman, W-O-M-A-N. And it was like a full Miranda Sings moment. I was just like blushing and awkward. And um, that's when I realized that you need to have a song. If someone says, sing right now. Yeah. You have to have a song that if you're a singer that you can sing right now. Oh. Which is woman. But I feel like I should get a more gender neutral song because if I'm not a woman, it's just confusing. Anyway, so then there was a little cocktail party and Oprah came in and was sort of like mingling. And it was for like, Gee, like whiz. probably people who paid a lot of like advertising dollars to... Yeah. To O magazine, benefactors, or benefactors. Not that Oprah needs benefactors. Let's no. face it. Um, she should just buy America. <laughs> That's what she should do. She should, she should use all of her money, buy, buy America, America, buy the White House, buy the White House, paint it black, yes. get rid of the orange man, mm. and uh, we've almost got a rainbow. Um, <laughs> but she uh, was sort of approaching, and the person that I was with, who was one of the O Liberty's makeup artists, was like. Now's your chance. And just like pushed me toward Oprah. And I was just, yeah, I was just standing there like, thank you. And that was it. That's literally all I could say and just had like a goofy smile. And then we were told no photos and I was fine with that. But the O'Lebrity's makeup artist just pushed me towards her and I was like standing next to her and he was like, smile. And I just, I just have like the goofiest like, and Oprah's kind of like got this like, bitch, you know they said no photos, look on her face. <laughs> and like you don't want to like piss, piss Oprah off. Oh. Or even like all you want is like absolute love and adoration from Oprah or even and just, just acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah, and a car. You get a car. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was my meeting Oprah story. And it was, it was that thing where I was like this woman – Sort of like molded my childhood. Yeah. But level with me. Yeah. Did you use the picture? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, of course. It's, I think it's my, it's my, my Facebook profile picture. If I, um, I've had my picture taken with celebrities before and a bit like that, like stunned. Mm. And I've just thought, no, I mean, you look bad. So you have to wait. Oh, I don't, care. I don't care how bad I look. It's Oprah. <laughs> well, exactly. I think I would feel the same way. But I think, yeah, I would probably... I'd have issues about, right, I, I want these people from my childhood to see this and admire my life now. Exactly. But they are going to see that my hair is thin and I have a double chin. Well, I feel like I just looked like, I looked like you would expect someone to look in a photograph with Oprah. I'm looking it up now so I can show you. I'm desperate to see it. Is that so, because season six, and you mentioned this earlier, it was before drag and particularly the drag race thing had really taken off. There was something magical about that season. There really was. And it was a turning point. People say it. And you know what's funny is that I always wonder if I, if Bianca adore Darian and I just hear it all the time because we were on it. So nobody goes up to you and says, oh my God, season eight was the best season ever because you're on season six. Mm. So then I thought, is this just some, is this this confirmation bias? Do I just think that everybody thinks that season six was pivotal because I was on it so that's all I hear but it seems to be a general consensus doesn't no, I it? would I've I've said that to many people and I always say to people because a lot of people who listen to the show are like oh, I haven't I have not I've not watched Drag Race where should I start and I always say season three mm-hmm. and I said but you you hit the magic at six 
I'd agree with that. I am. Um, sorry, I'm just look, trying to look for that. <laughs> no, I, I do want to see the Oprah picture. But from there, you've. There's me in an Oprah sweater. With, Ka- with, with Cartier's, Cartier's hands. hands. <laughs> I love that I recognize Cartier's hands. Um, hang on, it's coming. Oh, sorry, there's our uh, there's our family portrait from the 80s. The hair. <laughs> you could, do you have photographs with your podcast? Like, do you have a... I know it's a podcast. I know how audio works, but like, is there a... I'll put it on the Instagram, put it on my website. Yeah. Is there, hang on. WhatsApp them to me. Where are we? Oh, where are it? What? I can't... It must have been my profile picture. This is ridiculous. It couldn't be that far back. Oh, that was me outside the Oprah gift store in Chicago. Not the same thing, Courtney. Not the same thing. Oh, well, we'll find, I'll find it. it. We'll, we'll find, find it. it. And then we'll... You know what I should have done? Show. Just gone to Google. Do you know the best thing about <laughs> being a public person is you can Google any part of your life and find it. It's like the world's best index used for your own... It's like your own biography. Yeah. Do you have you ever contributed to your Wikipedia page? I haven't, but I did ask someone to change my Wikipedia photo because they always put up like some weird rights-free photo that's like, like, just look at anybody's Wikipedia photos and they're not good. They're not like great pictures. Wikipedia does feel cruel. Yeah. And then I list somebody wrote a review of Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury biography. Oh, yeah. And said it was just a retelling of the Wikipedia page. And I thought, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> that really is. Did you go in and touch it up? I've never touched up a Wikipedia entry. You know, someone has touched up um, my Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> there was... Uh, I always think to my... I always tell the story. And then afterwards, I think, you've really... If anybody who knows this person, you've really... Nah, but I've told it publicly many times. I'll just tell it again. Not public, not the... Anyway, so <laughs> I met this boy once in Dayton, Ohio. Um, so specific. And it was it. Pride. And basically, long story short, we fell in love and dated for six months. He was straight identifying. I was in drag. Um, and, you know, he fell in love with my heart, not my parts, although he did love my parts. Um, but then his ex-girlfriend <laughs> got real jealous. Oh, no. And changed my Wikipedia page. And it was like, in June of 2000 and whatever it was, 14, Courtney Act was asked, invited to perform at Dayton, Ohio Pride to celebrate. She didn't, she wasn't like hateful, but she was like, to celebrate, Courtney took home the security guard and, and, <laughs> and just sort of described like having sex with the security guard, not in great detail, just in this weird sort of like subtle way. It was like a very like nuanced. Um, I would have kept that up. Troll, trolling, yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it. Some, then someone changed it back and I was like, oh, fine. I think it's so weird. I remember interviewing years ago Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, wow. And I was a big Buffy fan. Oh, yeah. So I And I was like, <laughs> um, and I asked her a question. I said, oh, I've read on Wikipedia. And she just looked at me like, <laughs> don't believe anything. And she was quite like, I'm sick and tired of this. There was obviously someone who put something on Wikipedia that she was just being asked repeatedly because she was on a press tour and she was just like, if I oh. one more person asked me about whether I bought the rights to this book, I am going to... X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. You know, Sarah Michelle Gellar, you might have to edit this out of the podcast, I'm not sure, but when I saw the movie Cruel Intentions... Yes. I felt that it glamorised cocaine in a... in Like, to this day... I still think about my memory of seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar doing cocaine in Cruel Intentions and thinking how cool it looked and how, like, that's what I wanted to be when I grow up. I you know wanted I? a crucifix that yeah. I could pour cocaine into. I know. And I'm like, like, I always, it, 
do you always think of like um representations of harmful things in pop culture mm-hmm. it's important to talk about them yeah. but obviously if you want to deliver both sides but that all i remember is like how glamorous and sexy exactly. it looked because um being chased didn't wasn't glamorized by reese was it let's face it it was oh right being chased i was like where was she being chased <laughs> being a virgin and all that kind <laughs> of stuff you. they were like let's just get rid of let's just get rid of that and but sarah michelle Gellar was very I still to this day want a bustier and a suit uh, situation. She was definitely like a girl crush. Oh, I loved that movie. Oh, it was very she good. Was she very was sexy. amazing in it. And Ryan Filippi. Oh, my day. God. <sighs> Hot yep. damn. Weren't they? A, no, Reese and Ryan are married? Were, were. married? Were. Huh. Do you but, think it happened there? Yes, it did, I believe. But also, I was talking to someone yesterday, I was podcasting, and we were talking about this exact thing, about how you watch movies and it makes you want to do stuff. I've distinctly remember... Sex, drugs, rock and roll. All of it. I distinctly remember at the age of about seven, eight, on a bank holiday Monday over here in the UK, um, the BBC show in Greece, Ah. or ITV show in Greece, I can't remember, but... Literally, my parents saying, Emma, you have to come to the dinner table. And I was like, but there's this amazing film on and it's the best thing I've ever seen. And immediately wanting A, bubblegum oh. and B, a cigarette. Oh. Because they all smoked. Yeah. Tell me about it, stud. <laughs> yeah. See, we, d- you, yep, yep. We, you know, pop culture has influence. Impressionable and I, youth. And I also wanted to listen to Free Bird by Leonard Skinnerd whilst off my head on heroin like um, oh you weren't off your head on heroin no, i am so <laughs> all the years working in the world of celebrity in the media i've never once been offered a drug true story you, that's I've crazy got that face. i've got that face hang on says. a minute let me see what i've got in my handbag <laughs> how about a tic tac i've got that face that says she'll be she'll be shit gacked off at tits <laughs> She'll be a liability. She'll, she'll be like, eh, anyone wants some more? I've just never been offered it. And I'm very grateful for that as I you know, get into my dotage. But anyway, we digress. I feel like I didn't answer any of your questions I'm that you've asked so just, far. Is it bad? I'm just, I'm just bad going. I'm just happy that I'm in the room. I said this to Bianca, though, is that um, I watched an interview with it wasn't an interview it it was it was Trixie and Katia doing um, uh, oh. live at Drag Con. Yeah. And I listened to some of the fan questions and realized that lines get massively overstepped. And I realized, luckily I watched it before I interviewed Bianca. I was like, <laughs> don't ask those questions. But just in terms of like, who have you slept with? Have you ever slept with a woman? The drag queens get asked all the really, really personal stuff. But they're also like usually happy to answer them, aren't they? Yeah. It but was, what did Trixie and Cartier say? Oh, well, the thing with Cartier, and I understood it, but um, somebody asked Cartier to be um, her sponsor. And that was shut down quite quickly, (laughs) obviously, because that's quite That's a personal personal journey. Yeah. Which she talks about publicly, but Mm. like in a, was it like at DragCon, excuse me, will you be my sponsor? Was it that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, if the person who's asked, who asked that question is listening to this, I don't want them to feel like I'm cussing them out. It was more the fact that if you love drag race, because loving drag and loving drag race, I believe are two different things. Mm -hmm. Well, like. Uh, like Trixie says, if you say you love drag, but you only watch Drag Race, it's like saying you love pop music, but you only watch The Voice. Right, got you. She, she said American Idol, but I just adapted it for a local audience. <laughs> I'm quick on my feet like that. So nimble. Yeah. You do have fabulous feet and fabulous legs. Well, yeah, well, right now I'm wearing a pair of 
Stan Smiths, and they're not even the Stella McCartney vegan ones. So shame on you. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. But um, you came out of season six, and it's like they say with anyone who comes out of those reality competitions, and obviously you did Australian Idol top I thirteen. Did. Yes. Um, I was listening to the Joy podcast that you did, and I think he said something like top 24, and you were like, I call it top 13, <laughs> which I enjoyed. But it's funny because with Drag Race, it's the opposite. Somebody yesterday, um, he said, oh, and you came second on Drag Race. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I was in the top three. Nobody actually thinks I came second. Like, we're all pretty clear that I came third, even though there was no second or third allocated. I think that's... Do you think you, you came look, third? Of course I came third. Adore is clearly the second place of RuPaul's Drag Race I, season honestly, six. Honestly, I've never thought about that because I... That's the season I revisit the most when I'm going through periods of insomnia. Uh-huh. And I've never thought... Because <laughs> it puts you to sleep real easy. <laughs> no, because it's comforting when I'm waking <laughs> okay. up with stress dreams. Okay. Um, so take the good out of that. Okay. Um, but I've never thought, yeah, it was Adore and then Courtney. Well, here's the reason I know it was Adore and then Courtney. Because Rue told you. <laughs> Basically, on stage <laughs> in front of a live audience. Um, at the finale, you know how they tape multiple endings do you know this thing that they tape everybody with not everybody but the top three there's a car going past that's RuPaul coming to get me it's the world of wonder lawyer Stop saying talking she's about talking me. about the behind the scenes again no one wants to see the man behind the curtain anyway um uh, Keep your shoes on, yeah. um, uh, they film everybody the top three winning Mm-hmm. every year because it's in front of a live audience and it doesn't go to air for a week later and yeah. no one can be trusted to keep a because secret. Because it was, because it leaked in yes. season... Season Raja, season three. Two, three. Yeah. I remember... Three. I feel like I can say this now. It's years after the fact. I remember Adam Lambert telling me that I met him in Sydney. He was performing at Muddy. He goes, oh yeah, my friend Raja won. And I'm like, wait, but it hasn't even started airing yet. Like this is... Bef- and I was... I was like, well, there goes the ending. But it was scandalo. It was Adam Lambert. Loose, loose lips sink ships. I'll never forget him and April Carrion flirting. Aww. That was nice. Um, so at the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6, Ru crowned A, then B, then C. And then there was an alternative that was like, we've never done this before. We're going to have a double crowning. Adore and Bianca, you're the jewel winners of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6. And I was just left standing there, like, by myself, just, like, if, if, yeah, it was, it was actually horrible. Weren't you wearing a big black crown, though? Uh, at that point, was I wearing the, no, by that stage I was wearing the, the, the pink, glitter, yeah. uh, uh, Christmas basket wrapping, <laughs> what do you call that, cellophane Yes. opalescent cellophane yes. dress that was looked, I have one just to say it looked like cellophane but it actually had the form fitting of a pizza box it was a beautiful garment that made by August Getty but it was like like wearing cardboard or plywood or something because it was so structured um drag is pain <clears throat> drag it wasn't painful it was just bloody awkward it was you couldn't go up a set of stairs because the dress anyway um and yeah I was just left standing there like oh it's okay they're gonna feel They'll film an, another t- another tie with you and Bianca or you and Adore. You're not going to l- just stand here looking like the absolute loser of the top three of Drag Grace. And then, like, they, you know, turned on the lights and started sweeping the stage. And I was like, oh. And then I was, I was at that moment, I actually, I feel like I had a... Died a, inside. Yeah, more like a... a, a 
what's it called when a part of your brain breaks? <laughs> like, like a, uh, like right. not a psychotic break, but certainly like a short circuit. Like, the, a, yeah, but like, but uh, I I got up to my room because we were staying in that hotel, and my friend Simon Sherrywood, who was pit crew. He was with me, and at that point, by that stage, I was I've gotten a little paranoid anyway of the whole you know reality television experience, and I was like, <laughs> I have to leave, I have to leave, I have to go home, I have to get out of here, I have to. I was feeling like so emotional from it all, and he was like Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard in my mind at least. He didn't pick <laughs> me up and carry me, but we you you had to go through all of the people, yeah, to get out of the hotel, and I was like, Simon, just just get me through the crowd. <laughs> I can't see. I can't talk to anybody. We just sort of like powered through the crowd. It's like the finale of Drag Race and like it was a time where everybody was at a party and I was just like power walked through, got in my car and drove home in the rain with like the windscreen wipers on full. Pulling off your lashes. Yeah, it was on FaceTime to my best friend Vanity. It was like, and then they come. It was just, it was dark. That's the that's the complete opposite of what I would have expected your reaction to be because, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, well, there were two things about your portrayal on Drag Race, but the first thing that I always really got from it is you were so secure in your talent. That's how it came across. (laughs) You're very confident about who you were, what you represented, what you stood for. And maybe that was part of the magic of that season because Bianca was the same. So is Adore, if you think about it. Like, they really are who they are and they're completely unapologetic mm. about it. And I wondered, how old were you when you did Drag Race? No, at 20, 30? That's, that's, well, I mean, I'm, yeah. I think that's quite young to be that <laughs> solid and secure, especially. You're like, oh, I was actually, you're old enough to know better by then. No, 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 <laughs> God, I'm 40 and I literally still know nothing. But I just mean that, it came across that you were very, a, a complete, a complete, fully formed human and drag queen. I, f- I did feel a bit that way at the time. Um, I felt really, I was just there. To, I was having fun. Like mm. it was, to me, it was, I'd, I, how long have I been doing drag now? 18 years. So I'd been doing it for uh, 12 years at that Mm -hmm. stage and I'd done lots of stuff and I was like this is so cool to be here to get to do all of these challenges um and know that they're gonna be seen by people all around the world and I thought like rather than I thought this isn't this isn't the time for self-doubt this is the time to like lean into it enjoy it and have a lot of fun Mm. and I did the whole way through the whole way through filming was one experience and then watching it back was a totally different experience. Yeah. So filming it, like Adore Bianca, all of us, Darian, Ben, Milk, Gia, Laganja. Oh, she was a bit over But we all had a really fun time and we all got on really, really Mm -hmm. well. And I remember it was like, it was very kumbaya. We all, there was no drama. There was no, um, like the, the, the Ben and Darian thing Mm -hmm. no one knew existed the jocelyn and i thing no one knew existed it wasn't until we watched it back on television that all of these like um storylines sort of developed and it was just very peculiar and i think so by this time we got to the finale of drag race i'd watched this whole um alternate representation of Mm. my experience and um and i had felt I mean, I, I'd probably like now I'd probably own it 50 percent at the time. I probably owned like 2 percent. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like I understand that like, you know, parts of my personality 
I had perceived possibly differently. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, I think that, yeah, by the time I got to the finale of Drag Race, I was a bit like convinced that they were out to get me. Right. <laughs> uh, because of my portrayal and representation on the show. I was like, <sighs> like I didn't know why or who or what or, or whatever it was, but I felt like my representation, representation had been created to do who I was a disservice because I felt that um, the person that was portrayed was almost the opposite to mm. what I hoped to bring to the world, yeah, which yeah. was being positive and happy and joyful and supportive and Light sort of and yeah, and I was sort of like the like the bit of the mean girl, like the pretty mean girl to Jocelyn, and and I don't know it felt that that sort of um, and I think at that stage I was quite spiritual. And I felt like I had been ripped off by the whatever I think, yeah, yeah, God or the universe. Because I was all about this, like, you know, law of attraction, new age thinking thing. And that I was that. And so then I was like, oh, God, I've I thought that I was allowing my reality and creating my destiny. But it's clearly I've somehow attracted this horrible experience. And what have I done? And now I'm a godless atheist and and I'm like, oh, God, that's so much easier. Have without. you rejected all of that? All of it. Really? Yeah. That's the opposite of what I hear. So I'm fascinated by I'm that. I'm a born-again atheist. <laughs> You're spending too much time with Bianca. <laughs> no, she's a born-again alcoholic. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't laugh. Um, Not a real alcoholic, just a, yeah, good, yeah, just a fun drunk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can imagine. She, uh, I Obviously, I follow the majority of season six and mm-hmm. seven on Instagram, and there's she was with Katia last night. Yeah, yeah, at the Out 100 in LA. And there's just... Gerti was just videoing her like dance walking and I was just like, I'm oh, I'm here for this. More, more, more. And they were kind of accidentally matching, I feel. No, it's like it was yeah, yeah, it was. Um it was as if Bianca had done a challenge and Gerti had done a fan. <laughs> Anna Hart. Dressed up Sorry. as. Um anyway, I digress. Um why so when you say you were spiritual, you were a meditator. Was it transcendental meditation? Was it just reading lots of self-help books? Well, I see meditation as being very different to to me. Meditate. I am big meditator, but to me, that's not spiritual. That's just breathing in and out through your nose and okay. and focusing your attention. So, with me, meditation doesn't have any attachment to a higher power or anything other than literally the breath coming in out of my nose or the, the sensations on my body as I observe them in the moment. Interesting. Um, so that that's one thing. But I, I, when I was kind of like down and out in 2005, someone gave me a book called Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And Esther was the woman who sort of popularised the law of attraction mm-hmm. or in, invented it, if you yeah. ask, the collective consciousness called Abraham that she channels. I've got the book. Right. <laughs> and I loved the book and it actually did change my life for the better. Uh, but I think what happened was I think there is there is um, some sound psychology in the idea that if you yep. think about something in a positive way, you're going to feel better about mm-hmm. it. You're going to take steps towards making it happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, um, the idea that time and space uh, reorganises itself to align itself with my thoughts that are creating my reality, I don't know. It just I, 
I actually think there's something problematic in that thought because the byproduct of that is that you then become personally responsible for everything that happens in your experience. Yes. Which sounds like it could be a good thing, except the problem is you're... I now truly believe you are not at all personally responsible for everything that happens in Mm -hmm. your experience. Sometimes Mm -hmm. good things happen to bad people. Sometimes bad things happen Mm -hmm. to good people. And this idea of the law of attraction and and all of that sort of teaching that you can, it's like, and and I've heard um, Esther be asked questions about, but aren't you, you know, justifying children with cancer or rape or and she's like no because you understand and I'm like you know what sometimes people get cancer and it's horrible Mm. they had nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. and that's okay like it's not it's not good or bad it just is yeah but this idea that there's like a um that 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 person invited it into their experience so that they could blah 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 I just I I find quite problematic and I agree and for myself personally I sort of went down that rabbit hole and then found myself micromanaging my own thoughts and actions. I remember sitting there clicking, getting ready to click on um, uh, the mouse on my computer, not a real mouse, that'd be weird, um, to look at the ticket sales for one of my shows. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath, get myself into a state of allowing. I'm going to click, you know, the ticket sales, visualizing the t-. And I was like, do you really think <laughs> that you taking a few breaths before clicking this button is somehow going to realign time and space mm-hmm. to provide you with more ticket sales? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like uh, not uh, what's uh, uh, not narcissistic, um, grandiose, mm. and a little bit like not sound of mind. Yeah. And I, I then sort of, I had started, I had started like I had, I had didn't believe in a, a deity like God is in the Christian God or mm-hmm. the Jewish God or the Muslim God or or any of those sorts of things. And therefore I thought I was an atheist, but I still believed in all of like the woo-woo and the, the stuff beyond the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think one of the turning points is that, you know, I live in California where marijuana is a <laughs> legal substance as is alcohol. And I had an edible and I was watching a Ricky, <laughs> I was watching a Ricky Gervais YouTube supercut of some atheism documentary. And I was like, I, I remember having my mind blown by several things that he said. And then I sort of started thinking about it. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try going atheist the same way I went vegetarian. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to do it for a week. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be like, all right, today's Monday. Let's try it for a week. If you don't like it, you can go back to, you know, you, you, your law of attraction yeah. or steak. Uh, <laughs> and if you do like it, then, you know, worry try about it on. then. Yeah. And um, and I remember I was so scared because I was like, oh, God, well, if I, what if oh, it's the minute I stopped stop believing in God, the whole world will fall apart and it'll open up and I'll be sucked into the depths of hell. And then I thought, no, you know what? No, if God exists, they'll appreciate me doing due diligence on this subject. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I really do believe that like if there was a God, they'd appreciate me even like bothering thinking about that. And so I did stop and I can't tell you in that moment how freeing it was to let go of all of that sort of spiritual, religious baggage. I just remember being like, oh, fuck, this is, this is it. Oh, this is all there is. Like mm. this table and this floor and this, there's nothing. If, if, the, if, the, 
if there is nothing beyond this and this is all there is. And it was actually like the most liberating thought ever where I was like, oh, now I don't have to worry about anything. The, the idea that everything happens for a reason and always trying to find meaning in things that occur mm. actually was like, or trying to justify bad things that occur because, oh, there's a reason for that. Everything happens for a reason. I was like, no, maybe shit just happens yeah. and we apply a reason to it afterwards. We can find reason in anything using our own confirmation bias, but perhaps things just happen. Like perhaps, you know, someone just got something really good happen to them or somebody just had something really bad happen to them mm. and maybe that's just... Like when you remove your own kind of uh, yeah confirmation bias about different subjects, you realise like just good and bad things happen. I don't know if this is where the podcast no. was meant to go. Sorry no, about that. The way you're describing <laughs> it is um, the way you're describing it is a little bit like it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure yeah. off having to worry about what will this action incur if I do this, if I say this, what will yeah what will I get back in return? Because I was listening to Oprah's book recently because I'm massively into audio books yeah. right now. And um, she was saying for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And on the one hand, I thought, great. And then on the other hand, I thought, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in some ways, like if you, if you do something horrible and you think it's horrible, then you've already suffered the consequence of that mm. immediately because you're now thinking that it's horrible and you've done something horrible mm. and also like the 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 outcome of that you don't know what will happen but like if you if you if you tell a lie to somebody or you you're rude to somebody like there is there is a repercussion mm. of that but I don't know if the repercussion is cosmic or spiritual, it's quite literal, mm. you know, it's, it's psychological in your own brain. And it's like, there's something that happens to, to other people and places and things and objects. Yeah. You said when you were in a dark place, was that partly, um, brought on by overthinking? Um, that was, that was post like Australian Idol was like this huge high in 2003, 2004. I had a music single with Sony and like it was all fabulous and then 2005 like all of the glitter had rubbed off and I was just back to like like living in an expensive apartment and not being able to afford it and um I went to moved into like share accommodation was working at a costume shop that I had to catch a train to and which isn't that wasn't meant to sound, that wasn't part of the horribleness of it, but I just remember I'd always... in contrast. Yeah, yeah, to the life that I had had. Mm. <clears throat> and um, and I was just, actually it was wonderful because it forced me to get real mm. because I'd been living in this like, I was 21 when Idol happened and I was like, yes, like I'm so fabulous and famous and wonderful, everybody loves me. And, and that was sort of like the outward compensation for the inner insecurity that I was feeling about my own identity of like... Um, uh, not feeling that way, but tr but thinking that that's how if like that kind of fake it till you make it sort of mm -hmm. concept mm -hmm. where I was like trying to pretend that something uh, on the outside was better than what was going on on the inside. Mm. And it forced me to sort of actually go, you know what? No, you just, you're, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. No one's better than anybody. And you're working in a costume shop and you're, you know, it's, it's fun and it's enjoyable. It's not what you had dreamed, but this is your reality right now, mm. so you have to suck it up. And I think it was really humbling and I needed that because the as a 21-year-old, the, the, 
the drug of celebrity mm. is very addicting and the that and that whole concept of fame and money and notoriety is really um it it it's yeah you get high on it and i think at that age as well you believe you believe that you're working towards an end point because we've all we're all brought up in hollywood movies yeah so we're all kind of you think that when you get to that end scene that will continue forever yeah and actually it's not like that no and that's in retrospect the best part mm. in a weird way because there are so many ups and downs like i had the high after idol i had i've had other different highs a big high after drag race and then you know a couple of a year after drag race was actually immediately after drag race there was a real bit of sweetness to it mm. because of the 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 representation mm-hmm. that i mentioned earlier um but then also kind of like just plugging along trying to make it work and um and yeah, it's interesting because there's highs and lows. And at the moment I'm definitely on a high, mm. but I'm also now going, it's not going to last forever. Put money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for, you know, you're not always going to – I feel like I'm quite flavour of the month at the moment, especially in the UK, which is a wonderful feeling, but I'm yeah. extremely aware that, you know, that will change. The wind will change. and Well, it's just – it's to keep hustling, isn't it? It's to keep working. Yeah. Whereas – when you were 21 maybe it was like oh I've reached my point and yeah. I think I've spoken I used to interview a lot of the X Factor winners and they would always do that thing of they you could you could see the missing piece when they won was now now this is where the work starts yeah. forget those 10 weeks you even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Been on live TV doing live shows. Now is when you have to start working. You literally think that that being on the show is the end mm-hmm. of it. I'm like, oh, wow, now I've got it made. And then like a week later, you're like, oh, shit, and you'll it's spend only your, just yeah. begun. You'll spend your years just on stage with gold glitter confetti just raining down. Yeah, with, forever. Fireworks. Yeah. Sorry, no. No. But it's so satisfying for me now to look back on my 18 years of drag and see the the gradual progression of my career of my personal happiness Mm. mental state um of and like what I'm doing now is something that I love and I think about had everything been given to me at the age of 21 on idol I probably would have ended up a product of a record company with something that didn't speak to who I was Mm -hmm. that wasn't important to who I am without really knowing who I was and what what I wanted to create um and now at 36 I really love doing the things that I'm doing, getting to say yes to certain projects and no to certain projects. And it's just like, 
um, yeah. Even even if you weren't Courtney Acton, even if you hadn't been on Drag Race, I would be using this. I would be saying this now if you had told me a similar story about having hit fame, um, gone down, and then come back up again. I Rue and Michelle talk about that on the podcast because they both had the same thing. Mm. Flavor of the month disappeared, and they came back on their own terms. Mm. And I, I'm curious, do you feel that now with what you're doing, like you've got the by life, you're working with Ciarte, do you feel like you're doing things that feel very authentic and you feel you wouldn't want another reality if there are many realities, this is the one that you're delighted that, to be living? That uh, That's the only one that I do feel talking about spirituality and mm. atheism. I suppose like scientifically it's possible that there are alternate realities. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Um, I, this is, yeah, this is the absolute the best one and I think for me this is the best reality for me because I think it is my reality and um part of you know meditation is um being in the present moment and accepting your reality as it is not as you want it to be Mm. and I think that the the key to feeling satisfied is accepting everything that's happening right now even the the bad bits, not accepting as in like, oh, well, that's it, but (laughs) validating them by acknowledging them and saying like, oh, okay, well, this sucks. I don't have any money in the bank or I don't have the job that I like or I'm single or whatever those things are that you're, that are bringing you discomfort. If you just sort of look at them and go, but this is the actual fact right now. Mm -hmm. So stop trying to wish it away and just like stand in it and realise that the only way through those sorts of things is to own them and to lean into them and to even celebrate them. All of the things that you're afraid of or that you're scared of or that bring you shame, whether it's like your body shape or your skin colour or your disability or or your intelligence level or your wealth or your class or whatever it is, those things... um, I think when you actually like, when you embrace them, mm. oh, I read something the other day that was not I've forgotten it. I the thing I the thing that I've realised is that those things that you perceive to be your weaknesses turn out to be your greatest strengths. Yes, and it wasn't the Freddie Mercury video where they talk about his four extra incisors. And they're like, he turned it into his greatest strength because he could hit higher notes because of the space in his mouth. Because of the space in his mouth. It's crazy. But like you think <laughs> about those things and you watch, you start watching Bohemian Rhapsody and the person that I was with wasn't very familiar with Freddie Mercury and was like, what's wrong with his mouth? And I'm like, he just had lots of teeth. Like Freddie sort of had yeah. that look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, who would Freddie Mercury be if he wasn't? That Freddie Mercury with lots of teeth in his mouth. No idea. Yeah. No idea. Well, we don't know and we never will know. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. Let's just enjoy him as he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, you're happy in your life now, which is fantastic. And then you came over here and I was very excited because you did Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. And I've dipped in and out over the last few years. I was like, no, no, Courtney's going in. The thing that struck me most was how you are able to have a very cool, calm and collected conversation with somebody who is, to me, in my mind, saying things that I find offensive. And, I, and I, I'm talking about Anne Widdicombe. You were trying to reason with her about LBGTQI rights and just explaining very basic things to her knowing that she has opposed every... Um, legis- every single piece of pro-LGBT legislation in 23 years of Parliament. Exactly. Every single piece. Every single piece. And she is fundamentally opposed 
I'm guessing to your lifestyle, to who you are and what you represent. And yeah, not me sh- personally, just no. everything I represent. That's the thing. But that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. See, how are you able to disassociate and have? I'm pointing at you really aggressively now. <laughs> See, I would be no good in front of Anne Whitcomb. How did you? How are you able to maintain your cool? Because it's so it it's such an, a huge part of who you are, and somebody is an open critic of it. Mm. I think it's because I place no power in her criticism because I am now confident and comfortable in who I am and I do understand that that there are no questions to me about being a queer person or my lifestyle. Like, to me, she's she just doesn't make sense and I understand why she doesn't make sense and this might sound patronising and it is. Actually, I remember at one point said I said to Anne, I don't mean to sound patronising. She's like, yes, you do. And I was like, no, you're right, you do. I do. I do mean to sound patronising. And that's one thing that I did quite enjoy about her is she's, she's educated and she knows her points. She just lacks what I would call empathy. Mm-hmm. because she might think that she's a compassionate person, but what she isn't able to do is understand someone else's experience through their eyes, which is a very challenging thing mm. for any human being to do because we we have the whole filter of our own experience. And when we look at someone else, we go, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Exactly, go, well, no, yeah. you wouldn't have because it's not you. Mm. And so for Anne, I think she really lacked the ability to listen to someone <clears throat> And lacked the ability to listen to what someone else was saying and just believe them. Right. She had to decide for herself whether what they were saying is true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. That was the quality that she was lacking. If somebody said, this is my experience, she would be like, oh, no, well, that's not true. This is blah, blah, blah. This mm. is why you're wrong. This is because mm. she would filter everything through her experience. Um, and I think the reason that I was able to remain cool, calm and collected is because I realised that... Um, I wasn't having a one-on-one conversation with her. Mm -hmm. I was doing it on television and lots of people were watching and and the conversation I was having actually wasn't about her. It was about everyone else who was listening. And that whilst... Incredible perspective (coughs) to be able to maintain in a house full of cameras in that environment. I'd actually... I thought that Jermaine Greer was going to be in the house um, because she was an early... Rumor, Right. And I sat down with my friend Calpurnia in Los Angeles, Calpurnia Adams, and we had lunch at Crossroads, this restaurant in LA, and she... Did you have lunch at Crossroads because of Britney Spears films now? <laughs> no, I had it because it was a vegan restaurant that oh. has nothing to do with Britney. It's a Britney Spears themed restaurant. It's right next door to Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Which, has that reached number one yet? Caution. Mariah Carey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it was at number two. Her album, Glitter. Is it number two on the charts? Because her fans are having this thing. By the time this goes out, you know. Should we back down at number 99? Yeah. <laughs> but people are having this, like, get, Mariah to num- get oh. Mariah's glitter to number one. Oh, that's good. It's cute, isn't it? She deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> She's worked hard. She's got a new album out, though, Caution. I didn't just yell Caution oh, at you. you were just yelling, Caution. I was like, oh, all right. Plus, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> okay, no, I'd missed the glitter thing. Okay, Apologies. I'd missed the Caution thing. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Together we're a complete person. Yeah. Um, wait, what were we talking about? Anne Whittacombe. Jermaine Greer. Jermaine Greer. Calpurnia. Crossroads. Crossroads. So Calpurnia played Jermaine Greer at this lunch. We just, we sat down and we sort of role played Jermaine Greer being 
Jermaine Greer right. and me being me, mm-hmm. you know, being someone who does drag, who and all of those things that Jermaine as, you know, the brilliant feminist that she is, despite uh, her recent comments, mm-hmm. she is still one of the revolutionaries of the second wave of feminism mm-hmm. and can't be discounted for that. Um, and so, yeah, we played this sort of role play where Calpurnia as Jermaine Greer um, gave me all of these sorts of turf-adjacent answers um, and... It was quite fascinating. And so, and and we just talked about, and actually I think Calpurnia sort of said, remember, you're not going to change Jermaine Greer's mind on anything. Mm. But the minds you might change are the people watching. And that was, was, I think, what got me through Big Brother um, because I just transferred my Jermaine Greer to Anne Whittacombe and thought the same thing. And I quickly realised I was not going to change Anne's mind about anything. I tried for a second but realised that there was absolutely no entering. She had her ideas. She She's a 70-year-old woman. She's been in Parliament. Like if, if 23 years of Parliament teaches you anything, mm. like I'm not going to presume that me a stage performer, you know, drag performer, cabaret performer is going to somehow come in there and rock Anne Whittacombe's world. Um, But you're representative (laughs) of the world out there and you would hope that somebody who has a constituency, she doesn't anymore, does she? No. Um, (laughs) I used to live in it. Uh, (laughs) You would hope that she would be open to absorbing new information. And I think that's the thing, as you said, her mind was made up and it doesn't matter how many of you had this conversation with her, she was never going to adapt or evolve. No, no. Which is sad. It is. And she, she even acknowledges that. Like, she said that. She's like, do you really think that, like, I haven't met a gay person before? Like, do you really think that... Because someone's like, oh, you know, Anne, do you think living in this environment... She's like, do you think I've not met a gay person before? Like, this isn't because I don't know queer people or understand their journeys. It's simply because she has a fundamental belief... And she says it doesn't have anything to do with her faith, which is interesting because it clearly does. Mm. Um, But, like, when talking about the legal age of consent, the equalisation of the legal age of consent, which I believe if it was, say, it was 21 for homosexual sex and 18 for heterosexual Mm. sex, um, uh, she said... She, the reason that she voted against equalising the age of consent is because she thought that the age of consent was too low for uh, different sex people. And so, in fact, she was therefore voting in favour of same-sex people because she thought that the age of consent should be raised to 21 for everybody. Right. Got so you. she was helping them, you know, uh, steer away from a life of depravity and sin, I suppose. Um, so it was just in, like those conversations, like, well, what do you do with that? Like you can't you can't argue with faith because by definition it is faith. Mm-hmm. It is but not based in any science fact or real-world reason. It is faith. It's, it was written in a book 650 years after the fact <laughs> and has been altered and translated so many times. I'm just like, imagine, imagine without the recording of this podcast, in 650 years mm-hmm. you decided well, you wouldn't be alive, but you had told someone who told someone who told like at least, say, 12 people 
<laughs> over the course of 650 years. At and, a supper. At a supper. <laughs> and then someone decided to write it down. And they were drinking. There was wine on that table. <laughs> like, do you, like... No, it, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. But I don't want to upset people by saying that. I always try to be middle of the road. But yeah, I, it is. When you, when you do break it down like that. But then I do look at people who have faith and I see the comfort that it brings them and I see... Um, I see how inter- how important it is to them. And so you never want to take away from it. But yeah, if that's like you say, if you want to be a, an atheist or yeah. I mean, if you want buy it, then... If you want... It, I think the problem is I respect someone's right to have an opinion and follow mm-hmm. a religion and have faith. But when their God starts dictating how I should live my life is when I have a problem. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. their God starts legislating how you know, a whole country should live their life, that's when I have a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think when I watched back Celebrity Big Brother, I was a lot less cool, calm and collected when watching the television. I was yelling at myself, talking to Anne, going, oh, fucking tell it a bit off. <laughs> but then I think what, I just think it was really, it was a lovely thing to see because we are living in a time where there are so opinions emotions everything is heightened let's face it i mean in america at the moment there did you see the school photo of all the the salute and there's lots there's a i mean i shouldn't i shouldn't troll twitter for my news but i saw it all on there and i just feel like actually rather than shouting and anger and um hate Mm. You represented, it's really possible to have a sensible conversation with someone who has fundamentally opposing views. And so for that, I think you should become a good, become Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if, well, you know what, I thank you. And I am really, like I came out of the house and was dumbfounded, gobstruck that 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 was the chair squeaking. I it know it did sound. It really did sound like you farted just no, then. It really did sound like I did a, a front bottom fart, <laughs> but it was actually my my denim squeaking. I mean, oh my denim's never squeaked like that before. But um, you haven't got thighs like mine. <laughs> um, I came out of the house and I was blown away by the things that they had chosen to show and the way people received the things that I had said. Mm. Because to me, that is what is fundamental to my identity, is talking to people, listening to people, understanding about their experience, having them understand about mine and putting aside all of... um, well, of trying to put aside the insecurity mm. of our own identities as much as I as I could, to you know have conversations with people and listen. Mm. And I thought, well, that's obviously not going to make the television, but whatever. <laughs> and then I got out and I was like, oh wow, it did. Yeah. And people really responded to that. And um, and then to have the opportunity, you know, on a show like The By Life, showcasing mm. a queer storyline, not just a queer storyline, an entirely queer show on the E! channel, the home Mm -hmm. of the Kardashians. Like, that is as pop culture as you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it took a while. It didn't happen, like, all of, I look back and all the times I thought it was going to happen 
and it didn't, I remember feeling shortchanged and disappointed by the universe because mm. I believed that the universe had something to do with my lack of success. And now I look back and I just realise that life is this sort of wonderful journey and there's lots of bad bits and there's lots of good bits and the bad bits don't last forever and the good bits don't last forever and you sort of look back not that I'm dying anytime soon but you you at some hope well we don't know to be honest I'm living to 650 (laughs) you're going to write this down in 650 years um and uh, yeah you look back and you're like oh oh that that's how it works it's just it just is. There's mm. good bits and bad bits and that's okay and it's not like it's not like just because you succeeded doesn't doesn't mean you're a good person mm-hmm. and just because you failed it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um and yeah, there's I don't know, there's just something kind of um exciting about realizing that. And also like I am in a very exciting part of my career. I do keep having fears that I am going to die. Like like that, like we're in because you're having a good time. Because I'm having a good time. Right. I'm like shit. Yeah, yeah. No, it can't happen now. It's all yeah. just starting to take off. Yeah, yeah. Give me a few good years before <laughs> we were in. We were nearly in a car accident a, a few weeks ago, and um, I had we were not speeding, but we were like in a rush to get to Liverpool mm. Station, and I was like, we were just around the corner. Last train back to London. Yes, earlier than you think. Yes, so much earlier, like daylight. I've been caught out and had to get a hotel once. And um, and Sam, which was what we ended up having to do Sam my assistant was I was like okay Sam you get the bags I'm gonna I've got my backpack on I'm gonna get out of the car I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally throw myself in between the doors and not let it close until you get the bags mm-hmm. on the train and so I'd taken my seatbelt off put my backpack on and just as we turned the corner the driver didn't look the right way and a car like was like inches away from the side of the door and going at quite high speeds because he was like in a rush and I was like I was like oh, okay I'm always wearing a seatbelt mm-hmm. from now on every time I, I always do anyway but like from the until the, until the vehicle has come to a complete stop um, <laughs> you're gonna become an air you're gonna do an air stewardess everyone <laughs> keep your seatbelts fastened until the handbrake has been applied yeah <laughs> very that um you came out of the house and then you weren't living in england before then no I got to England on the 28th of December to perform at GAY on New Year's Eve and then went into the house, got out, was here for like five days before having to go to Australia for a whole bunch of shows and Mardi Gras and a tour that had been booked. But then while I was there, I said to Wendy, my manager, I was like, I think we're moving to the UK, aren't we? It was like that moment. I was like... You've done a Kylie. Yeah. And it was so exciting and it's so wonderful here too. Yeah, and you—you, you, I mean, you've just been in LA for a bit, mm-hmm. but you—you you are back. You are here, and I then met you not long after Celebrity Big Brother at Drag World UK at Olympia, because you are working with Ciarte, and the liner. And if you follow me on Instagram, this is, and I sincerely hope you do. If you don't, pause, follow Emma Guns, and then come back to us. <laughs> but I did a video on using the stamp and drag, and it's one of my most popular posts. It's such a good product such a good idea such a good idea yeah because like how like i don't know they say your eyebrows are meant to be twin cousins sisters Sisters not twins twins. yeah and your eyeliner probably should be as close to twins as you can get Mm. but like it's it's damn near impossible i've been doing like black liquid liner literally for 18 years on my face and is 
was the bane marie of my existence. Um, that was a Catherine Kimism there. Sorry. Um, oh, don't, don't stop. <laughs> um, and the stamp and drag just means you can stamp and drag. And drag. Can you get it at Fountain Lakes? <laughs> can you what? Can you get it oh, at Fountain, Fountain Lakes? Lakes? That was your Australian accent. Sorry, sorry, I didn't realise. It's quite good. <laughs> Apologies. Um, Should have worn my clacky mules too. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's such a, it's a, it's a great product because it, um, it's some, it's, I don't know, it's a problem that I, like putting on a, on a lovely crisp black liquid lime mm. does so much. You can just put that on, pop on a bit of mascara and you've got a look. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's, if you did that and maybe a little gloss mm. or even the glitter flip by Ciate. Um, I'm too old for the glitter flip, but okay. I do appreciate it's, um, the alchemy of it. The alchemy of the glitter flip. I've just oh, it's just a normal lip gloss. Put your lips together. No, it's not. <laughs> it's got glitter in it too. It's like you've got the Kira Kira app on you. Yeah, on your lips. I was trying to use um, a, an app yesterday to. I was making a birthday video for Shangela, and I was holding it, and it was like that. The light and it just didn't look cute, and it looked all like. This. And I opened up an app thinking that it was like a video filter. I don't actually face tune or filter. I just pop on like Valencia at 50% and I'm done. Like mm-hmm. life's too short to be <laughs> spending hours on all of that shit. But this video I thought, no, you need a little bit of, and I'd already gotten out of drag. And I, I accidentally opened Kira Kira and I was really confused. I was like, oh, that's so pretty, but I've still got massive bags under my eyes. What's going on? And I was like, oh, you're in Kira Kira, you idiot. Anyway, I digress. Um, has Shangela come down off the uh, A Star Is Born cloud yet? Oh, I don't know. Her and Willem. <laughs> Literally. Whose cloud was bigger? Willem's. Willem's, definitely. Yeah. Willem's, I feel like every sentence and Instagram post Willem has posted in the six months leading up to and up until now have been related to A Star Is Born. Yeah. And I mean, they're in a Hollywood blockbuster film. Like, it's really cool. And... Um, I think they both had such a wonderful experience mm, doing it. Sounds like it. Bradley Cooper and Gaga. Like when Willem got back from filming it, he was just like, oh, my God. Like it was just like apart from the fact that it was a huge Hollywood film with, you know, huge Hollywood actors mm. and a big budget. He said that they were just so lovely and Bradley Cooper was so like so wonderful to work with and Gaga was just gorgeous and they just had such a fun time. Mm. And um, and so, yeah, it's it's... They, but they do, they do, they do love their stars. Born. I would keep. I actually, I listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, and I always listen to it with dialogue because mm-hmm. you get. I mean, you don't get Willem, unfortunately, but you get Shangela. Ah, in her bus driver wig. <laughs> what? What does that mean? A bus, bus driver wig. A bus driver wig is just a short. Well, I think Rue calls them kitty cat, pussy cat wigs. Oh, uh, who was it in season two? Monet Exchange. In her, that's a bus driver wig. Right. Rue was being kind when she described it as a pussycat wig. Um, but yeah, a bus driver wig is just like a short, you know, bus driver haircut. Um, I'm just thinking about the bus driver from Speed. <laughs> Sam. I, think he was I can't remember Sam. what he looks like. All I remember is Sandra Bullock. Oh, and you really, Reeves. really need to remember Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Jack Traven. I remember Keanu Reeves, but he wasn't the bus driver. No, I mean, no. He, no, he never did drive the bus in the end, I don't think. It was all Sandra. And Gotta keep this thing above 50, which was really confusing in Australia because we use um, kilometres per hour, not miles. And I was like, you're only going 50 kilometres an hour? That's not very fast. Everybody just, just stop, drop and roll. God, losers. 
<laughs> have you got any more products coming up with Ciarte? Are you going to be doing anything more for them? I don't, but I do um, – uh, oh, no, what's the palette called? The Glitter – The Glitter Storm palette. The Glitter Storm. I, I used everything <laughs> – like Hurricane Bianca? <laughs> it's like Hurricane Bianca. It's the sequel. The Trequel? Tre- so the there prequel. has to be a third and I want her in the White House. I want her to have married Katia. <laughs> and that's what I want to happen. Because Russia yes. and American collusion. Yes. Um, I mean, it's basically... I'll hey, brainstorm. wait, it's already happened. I'll brainstorm with you at Crossroads. Okay, does Get that mean that Bianca is Donald Trump and that Katia is Melania? I mean, you read between the lines what you will. <laughs> um... But it's got legs. It's got legs. It does, have, do, legs. does have legs. It does have legs. Um, Katia will be an amazing first lady. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to picture. Now I can just picture Aquaria as Melania as the first Any lady. Any hole is a goal. Yeah. Um, the, no, the Ciate makeup. I, um, I did all of my makeup today with Ciate, mm. and except I've for my foundation. Thank you. Um, and the Glitterstorm palette. Uh, it's a bit too distracting because it's, you know, those phone cases that have got glitter and stuff in them and you can like... And they move in the shake. Yeah, it's got that on the case. Yes. And I spent a good five minutes just playing with that before I actually got to the palette. Um, That's very Jocelyn Fox. It is oh, very no. Jocelyn Fox, a shiny object. Must stop acting like a fan. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but the, the cool thing that I like about Ciate makeup in general is like you often get palettes that look pretty mm-hmm. and then you like you put them on and you're like oh okay yeah no that doesn't work I'll have to get mm-hmm. out the you know the industrial strength stuff but the pigments in them are mm. really strong and um what's the saying strong enough for a man but made for a woman um no the the pigments in the in the eyeshadows are really strong, which is great, and they don't shy away from pigments. To CRT do not no like the stamp and drag. The one thing I absolutely adore about it is how jet black that ink is. Mm. It's not like grey, and you have to do two or three layers. It's the, there was a fan who did Trixie's face, and they used looked exactly like her, but they used their stamp and drag to do her. Trixie's giant eyeliner which is yeah and it looked amazing and she said but the only problem is like I now have to buy a new one because she basically painted half of her face you know black with this this eyeliner not to say that the product doesn't last just that Trixie's eyeliner is massive oh it's a good like 10 milliliters of yeah you need yeah what I really one day I just want to do Trixie's face on me I really really do do you do makeup on yourself like that I do. I just... Have you recreated any drag queen looks? I feel like Trixie, Bianca, Kim Chi, these are all like iconic faces. Yeah, but they're, they're like high level makeup right, skill. Right. I think the idea of me thinking, oh, I'll just get what's in my in my makeup bag and do do one of those queens would be insulting to their art. Well, now you know you can use your stamp and drag to create Trixie's yes. eyeliner. Yes. And I also love Trixie's album. I love her music. It's, it's cute, isn't it? I really, really enjoy it. I, I like her very funny. I think Trixie was my gateway to country music. Like as an Australian, gateway drag. yeah, as an Australian, I grew. I didn't. We didn't grow up with. I know Keith Urban's Australian, but we, it, I didn't grow up with He's any a crossover artist. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, I love Dolly as well, of course, but it's it's not. It's never led me into country. And then Kylie did her golden album, which was. You know, it had hints of country, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I think she was probably inspired by Trixie's album. Um, Who wouldn't be? Yeah, and I really love it. It's great, and I do want to. I do want to do that look one day. 
Download Two Birds and One Stone on iTunes. Now. No, they're great albums. What are you going to do anymore? I am. <laughs> I've been in the studio uh, writing and recording. Um, I can't tell you why. Uh, <laughs> great. But it's exciting. <laughs> Um, someone asked me, well, no, too far backpedal. Um, (laughs) no, it's, it's, I have been in the studio writing, um, actually Sky Adams, who, uh, was one of the main producers on most of the tracks on Kylie's album. Um, I did a track with, which is really fun. And then in LA last week, I was working, um, with one of the producers who worked on my Kaleidoscope album and another writer. We made some more music and by... December, the something, you will know something exciting that involves me in music. If and it's, it's not just like I'm releasing a song. It's really exciting. Okay. Oh, no. I've already said too much. No, no. Um, I want it to come out on December the 17th because that's my birthday. And so that would be really good if the news came on my birthday and that was a, a reason, another reason to be joyous. Warm. Warm. Yeah. Like okay. hotter, colder. You're you're warm on that date. Oh. Yeah. Not red hot, just warm. That's fine. Almost red hot. <laughs> this is so cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew this is where the morning would take us? Right. Right. Okay. Existential conversations about life and spirituality and atheism. I do it's been bloody lovely. <laughs> That's been lovely. I've enjoyed it. Sometimes I find long interviews like this to be more like therapy. (laughs) I get that a lot. When I press stop, I get a lot of people say, I never thought about that in that way. It's like I've just had a therapy session. (laughs) Which is nice. I feel like I should start billing. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't. But I hope hope it's a positive experience. You've been delightful. I'm going to put the links to Stamp and Drag. Mm Mm-hmm. The Glitter Storm palette mm-hmm. and Ciate in the show notes. We'll also um, add the link to whatever the musical sensation ah. is once that goes live. Um, and everything else that we've chatted about. That book, Law of Attraction. Yes. All of that kind of stuff. Well, I say don't read that book, but... Um. <laughs> Maybe read it, come to Courtney's conclusion, read it, love it. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, if any, if you wanted to find it, yes. you will have the resources to do that. Um, also, good news is that very recently, if you're living in the UK, uh, they've put every single season except season one of Drag Race back on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know, like, why it went away and then it came back. It was a, it was a hard few weeks. <laughs> it was rough. It was But rough. it went to... It went on something. It went on, like, Now or TV Player or Hey You or one of mm. those. But... Then it went back to Netflix. No, it's fine. Two to ten is there. Eleven is coming. All Stars Four is coming. So all of those links will be in the show. All Stars Two. All Stars Four winner. Who's your pick? Oh. um, I don't even know who's in it now. um, That's that's a tough question. Who are you most excited about seeing? Top three. Who are you most excited about them? I need to remind myself of the cast. The cast is... Okay, so we've got uh, Farrah... Gia, Gia, the first trans, openly living as a woman trans contestant on Drag Race. Excellent news. Uh, I, okay, Jasmine. I'll tell you who I want to win immediately is Latrice. Oh, she's so good, Good isn't she? God, get a grip, girl. I want Latrice Royale to be in the Hall of Fame. Have you met Latrice in real life or seen her in real life? No, but I would like very much to. Do you know to. she's like six foot four? She's like a giant, tall human. So imagine like her proportion, right? Like she's a, she's a big girl mm-hmm. 
and boy, but imagine what that means if she's actually six foot four tall. In heels. Plus heels. Actually, yeah. let's see how tall is Latrice um, Royal. You were wrapping up the show. I yeah, I was wrapping up you. the show. No, no, but now we're on to All Stars 4, so now I'm terribly excited. Um, yeah, Latrice, I love. And I also loved the relationship she had with Willem. On the show? Mm. Wait, were they on the same? No, am I thinking? Were they? No, you might be right. They did a song together. Anyway, I like all of the chemistry. I like every. I like everybody. I especially like... Um, What's 193? That's nearly two metres tall. That's quite big. Well, I'm 175 and that's five foot nine. So she's an extra, hang on. 20 centimetres, 15. That's another six inches. In feet. <laughs> I always have to do that. They need to start putting... Six foot four. I told you she was six foot four. Ding, 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 ding. Plus. You win a glitter storm palette. Yay! <laughs> I um, won't open it. I'll just stare at the packaging. I'm like a kid who gets a, you know, a cr- great Christmas gift but plays with the box. Next time you fly to Australia on those long-haul flights, you can just play with it and just yeah. yourself. Don't watch movies. Done. 24 hours staring storm. at my Glitter Storm palette. Oh, now, okay, right. I could talk for another hour about um, All Stars 4, but we shan't. Um, it's been... An honour and a delight to have you on Thank the show. You. It's been delightful. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Come back anytime. I'm your your second Pokemon in... Do we not count... Oh, I had Carmen Carrera as well. Oh. Well, I'm your third Pokemon. Do we not count Visage? Is, is she a Pokemon? Don't know. Yeah, sure. Well, Read, I don't know. Listeners, why not write in to yeah. the show? Is Michelle Visage a Pokemon? <laughs> is she a drag race Pokemon? The question on everyone's <laughs> lips. Come back anytime soon. I know she's tomorrow. been poked because she's got two children. Escandalo. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good night, good day, good morning, whatever time it is. Au revoir. It's been delightful. We will end this now. Okay. This is like this is like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> of the Ring. Just oh, I haven't many, seen many Lord ending. of the Rings. Oh, I shan't spoil it. Okay. All right. Go. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Now, before you run off, I just wanted to say, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's super easy. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs on social media where I'm at Emma Guns. That's at E-M-M-A-G-U-N-S. If you want to join the Facebook group for the show, and I hope you do, we're having lots of fun over there. The link to join is in the show notes. Also, if you have been enjoying the show and you never want to miss another episode, then wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading, please do hit that subscribe button. And if your streaming service gives you the option, I would be so grateful if you could click five stars and maybe write a sentence about what you have been enjoying about the episode or episodes. Thank you once again, and I will see you on the next one.